Well, Liz, we made it. What did we make? Our 1,000th episode. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Yeah, it's something like that. It's, it's, it's in the eight years that we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> you know, it does, every episode feels, it's like dog years with you. Bel- mm-hmm. That's why I call it the Belden years, which uh-huh. means that every episode is actually, um, it counts for 30 days yeah. of my life. And, 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 and honestly, that's like, that's like what I treasure so much about working with you is that like, you know, we have a short life, right? Like, you know, you live, you you then do some stuff and then you die and it's like it's like you never existed. But like every second I spend with you feels like an eternity. And like, you know, my people have been looking for the secret of of of, of eternal life. I mean, frankly, since the beginning of time. Um and in and, and you, Liz, I, I feel like I found that. Praise. Yeah. I mean, I literally, it's like I'm trapped. It's like a purgatorial <laughs> existence that I can't escape. It's like neither heaven nor hell. It's just. Okay. It, you know, um, here I thought you were going to be very sweet. And then you just dig in that knife. No, baby, I've moved on. I, so, I signed a solo deal with Spotify. <laughs> Don't joke about that. Okay. Uh, well, I'll tell you the real thing. I signed a solo deal with iHeartRadio. <laughs> Um, I'm just joking. Liz, we made it. We made it. I know we made it. 100 episodes. 100. Can you believe it? I, uh, struggle to, but I, it does feel like. Sometimes I'm like, wow, how did we do this? And then other times I'm like, fuck, it feels like it's been 200. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I remember when we first started, um, back in, I mean, hell, the golden age of radio 2019. Mm. Uh, when 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 this this whole podcast thing was really starting to take off, I feel like <laughs> it's crazy because like you know you know there's like a lot of talk about this Sex Pistols show. I think in Manchester where like everybody was at the Sex Pistols show started a band like Joy Division and like the Buzzcocks mm. and all this stuff. It feels like everybody who listened to the first True and On episode started a podcast. I don't think that's right. Like Rogan, uh, uh, call her Daddy, Portnoy. The rest- Portnoy, of course. I mean, Portnoy was like a big. I remember our first show at at uh, Manchester Trade Hall, and Portnoy comes up to us, and he's like this little sixteen year old kid, pimples all over his face with this little chewing on fanzine he made, and he mm. asked us to sign it. You remember that? I do, I do. He was with his buddy, uh, yes. Will Meneker. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they were like, "Oh, we're thinking to start this thing called." called called bar fool bars fool sports and liz was like get out of here with that name yeah bars terrible fool? and then yeah. i said hey buddy what am i sitting on and they said barstool. oh barstool mm-hmm. really liz was actually sitting sitting on like a chaise lounge but but <laughs> it was there was a, it was in a bar type environment unfortunately mill winnaker will mill winnaker will Winnicker was uh was killed later that year but Portnoy, Portnoy was able to start Barstool. I mean, and look at him. I, he has got something to do with the president now. Uh, you know, he he pays me a lot of money to do this podcast with this woman on his network. Making it's really lots of money in crypto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's and, the crypto and so, king. So actually, now that you said that, it is actually time for us. I've been super stoked on this. Uh, we've been working on this for a while. We are doing a coin. Yes, yes. That's what we're so excited to launch, the uh, true and non-coin. Mm-hmm. True coin. It is the only cryptocurrency that you cannot buy child porn with. 
it is the actually the sole one which because we we realized we took a look at the market we're like wait what is 99 percent of cryptocurrency transactions about is the uh the purchasing and selling of of child pornography and we're like well what if you want to buy a muffin yeah and that's why you get true coin the only mm -hmm. non-pedophile crypto coin podcast unfortunately it is only able to be used at certain bakeries for muffins all right all right all right all right all right that's enough um everyone true anon this is our 100th episode we're so happy to be here we're so happy that you're here Mm -hmm. and uh we got a little special something for you Mm -hmm. old young chomsky has been in the stereo lab which is what he calls this studio cooking up a little little montage enjoy should we start? Let's fucking start. Let's just go for it. Jeffrey Epstein, devil. We're going to catch him. We need to know the truth. I want to say it's going to be fun, but I think it's just going to be weird. And it's basically run by intelligence agencies and child molesters. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, apparently this is just my life now. We have the beam on you. You are always at porno shoot. I wasn't at the porno. They just filmed one in there. I thought you it was crazy. You went to the beauty bar one. I, you didn't you? No. There's going to be so much bumping and grinding on the Khashoggi's. I just, I hate all of these people. Dude, I cannot believe Epstein is dead. Haha, jokes on you, sicko. My IQ is six. No, don't do that. <laughs> oh, I'm about to go off. No, Brace. Yes, bodies, spaces, time, youth. <laughs> that was not as anti-Semitic as I thought you were going to be. Brace. Liz. Brace. Okay, can you just intro the show now? My <laughs> name is Isabel Maxwell, the Upper Baron Admiral Brace Sir Belden von Goldsmith. Brace Belden. PhD, Brace Satoshi Belden. Brace, let's pull back. And we're your only friend. <laughs> Jeffrey. Jizz Lane. America Kaka. Do people jack off to ASMR? Yeah, don't lean in too hard. A full depedophilization. Jeffrey Epstein, conspiracy nuts. Liz and I are not on the list. I love you so much. How you like that? Liz Lane. Bernie is literally the only candidate running for president who is not a pedophile alleged. No, no! <laughs> it's never happened any at all. I was doing a bit in too far and dead i want to suck your cock uh please don't finish that sentence i've been eating pussy all day no <laughs> just so you know this is not normal i've had a gun in my mouth for the past 15 minutes <laughs> this is not a thing. it's a thing yeah okay i guess that's not <laughs> and if you are bootlegging this i swear to god i know your fucking isp isp or ip i know your ip address and i will come and fucking suck you off mr brace dude gillane kind of looks like me in this one picture <laughs> Yeah, everyone thought we were joking and we were just goofing. Can you give me a giggle? Sorry, are we? is this ableist? Are we being ableist right now? Two things that I really like, humor and violence. None of that is real. First of all, I work for the FBI informing on DSA chapters. Oh, say, oh, say, oh, say. I'm a prankster. What? And he can suck my fucking dick. Turn your phone off, Brace. Lena Del Raytheon? Global financial corporate governance structure. <laughs> I've never heard of a penis that looks like this. <laughs> Online is... That's just poison. <laughs> I'm true and on the world's only uh, podcast. Uh, this was like what two thousand? This is like twenty ten, twenty eleven. Corners of my mind. <laughs> uh, I should have arrested them all then and Misty there. Misty watercolored memories. There was a bunch of goblin looking guys. Of the way we were wearing sweatpants, walking around, jacking off. <laughs> What's 
up, YouTube? This is Rachel Jake. I am here in the oh Jake God. House. I'm sorry. Okay. The Jake House. <laughs> the Jake House. Well, I tried Rachel House, and it didn't attract. Yeah, that doesn't work. Crowd. Yeah. Um. The hello. Jake I am. House. I am Brace. I'm Liz. Uh, and Miyamo Young Chomsky, the producer. <laughs> And this is, this is uh, true and on true and the hundredth episode. Mm-hmm. The the it's the spectacular bonanza of the hundredth. Yeah, episode. we've got a whole fireworks show planned. I think mm-hmm. right. Uh, yeah, uh, about that, we actually tried to do it last week, and unfortunately, that did cause some problems in the wilderness areas of California. <laughs> and we are working on that effort right now, but maybe XNA on the fireworks a Tayama. <laughs> All right, we do have a an interesting episode, I think, hopefully, uh, a fun episode planned for you. But I just want to say to, um, in earnest, uh, I can't believe that we're doing this, and thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, it is psycho that we are doing our hundred. Yeah, it episode. is. It is absolutely completely psycho, and I don't want to be too navel gazing, but it is a very weird time. So thank you guys for listening and continuing to listen. Hey, Liz, you want to do some real navel gazing? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? I didn't uh-huh. like that at all. That's why they actually. put buttons all the way down the shirt. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, actually, so today's episode, well, I mean, I guess we can kind of intro it like this. Today's episode is sort of a multifaceted one, um, but we are finally sort of doing an episode on uh, a certain... Industry that I'm not a big fan of, and and finally, uh, you know, this has been done before in the tabloids, but has never been done in a format like this. We are linking me and Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if everyone saw this in the news, but um, there's a new documentary out that uh, about Paris Hilton. I mean, I think I'm sh- I'm sure she's a producer on it, although uh, she seems to make a point that she didn't have a lot of creative control over what the director ended up using. Although, who knows. Mm-hmm. That's actually the case. But um, it's a documentary called This Is Paris. Um, and it's uh, directed by Alexandra Dean. I think it premiered at whatever iteration of the Tribeca Film, Fe- Film Festival happened in April. Um, I don't know if that was like a home video situation or whatever. But you can go online and stream it on YouTube, which is how Brace and I watched it last night, actually. Mm-hmm. It's a YouTube original, which I didn't know that there was. And I dislike now that I do. <laughs> Yeah, she's going to actually start streaming with Vouch. That's like part of her <laughs> contract. <laughs> um, so, yeah, she's, she, I did hear, it did take place in a Tacoma. Paris so, um, Hilton debunks the <laughs> myths of the right. Wait, you're telling me that Ben Shapiro is saying something that's a little kooky and off kilter? I mean, give me a fucking break. Let me Paris. break it down. For It's going to take me one hour, but I'm going to tell you why and how ben shapiro is stupid it's like why does it <laughs> I w- take you a fucking hour i will say i would rather watch paris hilton live stream for an hour than pretty much anybody any other human being on earth <laughs> i actually so it's it's funny because when you messaged me about this a few days ago i had not thought like paris hilton had totally disappeared from my radar i mean it's not like she was heavily on my radar mm. at any point but she's like really uh disappeared from kind of the public consciousness it's weird because she has, I, I agree, she has for me because she's sort of, um, and in the film they actually like kind of directly talk about this. She spawned an entire generation of like yep. 
influencers that have been created in her image, um, which I think we're kind of get into sort of at some point, but um, I, she's still incredibly popular, apparently, particularly in Europe and Asia. And I guess she's got, I mean, they talk about how she, her goal is to make a billion dollars. She makes like a million dollars a DJ gig, which by the way, who who is paying Paris Hilton a million dollars to DJ? Um, Liz. <laughs> so I know you weren't That's at the last meeting. That's a lot, meeting. though, right? Am I being crazy? I thought we got a deal, but yeah, I mean, oh I guess God. it's a lot. You get what you pay for, and you get a lot. Yeah, I, I was sort of astounded at that too. There's there's footage of her playing at a festival at one point, and people are Tomorrowland. So, yes, Tomorrowland. Specifically, <laughs> a group of Israelis hoisting the 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 old blue and white flag. Oh my god! Are so excited to see her DJ. Yeah, it was that was very weird. The whole thing was very. I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting spectacle. Um, but I we will actually, say if you if you I, I, to interrupt real quick, actually, and this is sort of on topic for what I'm saying. Fellas, if you watch that this this documentary and you see the scene with her and her German boyfriend during that, he is doing nothing wrong. That is no, that is how you normally interact with women. Oh my god! You get god. extremely drunk at two p.m. and then you just keep being like, "I'm sorry, babe," but also kind of yelling at them and sort of smooshing your face against their face, mm, and then that throwing her you... laptop everywhere. Mm-hmm. We, oh, so I think they women... were both fucked up. I think she was drunk I, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They were both wasted. Oh, okay. Didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just I put on my little detective's cap there. That's what yeah. I'm known for. My investigative skills that I put to use on turn on tell me <laughs> that both of them, perchance, had too much to drink that afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Before we get into the kind of the meat and potatoes of the of the movie, I do want to say one thing that I noticed. It's like Nikki Hilton fucking hates her sister so much. Yeah. Oh my Excuse god, me. Nikki Hilton Rothschild. I know. Hates Can her you sister. believe that? That was God. incredible. When I when I saw the big R word, I I got a lot of favorite R words. And mm. when I saw that one roll up on the screen, first of all, yeah. it wasn't what I was expecting. And second of all, I was thrilled to find that out. I know the person I was watching it with, his eyes kind of like bugged out when the mm-hmm. Rothschild name. Came <laughs> yeah, up. I was I was a big <laughs> fan of that. How many of them are there? Like, can I get one? I think I don't know, man. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Nikki Nikki Hilton did yeah, not seem really... to be overly impressed with her sister. <laughs> Every time she went to compliment her sister, would always, she would always end up saying like the meanest thing. Like she'd be like, "Yeah, when we were children, like you know, you have to understand, like Paris was ugly and liked to be a boy." And it was like, <laughs> "What?" Like she would always like she was always saying just like backhanded weird compliments about her sister. It was very interesting, interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. Also, um, Nikki Hilton. A little too much plastic surgery for my taste. Uh huh. I found both of them to be insanely hot. Yeah. Well, you love blondes. I, actually, I'll be. Yeah, I do. Oh, I'll, yeah, blondes, redheads, all of them. You know, we <laughs> love. We love a. We love a haired woman. As somebody who early in his life, which we'll maybe get into later, early in his life, in his formative years, had sex with no less than three shaved-headed women before he was eighteen. <laughs> I'll tell you, any head of hair, fine with me. Um, but, but it was, it was straight. One thing that like, I th- I think probably was, was pretty obvious that something like this would be in the documentary though. I was, I was sort of surprised at, at the emphasis exactly it was given. Cause you know, this is supposed to be at the real Paris Hilton and, and she talks a lot about sort of this, like this put on she does, right? Mm-hmm. This, yeah. like this affectation, she does the character of Paris and of course she does. Right. I mean, remember like I, I, I totally 
totally wiped this out of my brain. But that that TV show she did with Nicole Richie, yeah, that was like life. the simple life. That, it was yeah. just them like at a farm pretending not to know what Walmart was when like they obviously right, right, right. do. You hang out with the people who own it, like you yeah. know what fucking Walmart is. Um, yeah, or like that they didn't know how to clean, you know, clean a floor or a bathtub or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I mean, and like even at the time, I remember being like, "This is obviously like not." It's a character, right? Yeah, it's a TV show, and like it's it's it it did go like quite a bit into like the character of of Paris Hilton. Yeah, I mean it's, that's what it kind of seemed to um, hinge on this idea that. You know, her entire life or her entire public persona has been a presentation of a character that she's uh, created named Paris, Mm -hmm. who is this, like, you know, toxinist voice. Okay, so actually, I was going to ask, I I do need you to. That wasn't really the voice. Okay, let me see if I can do it. It's like, she always says yes. Did you notice that? Can you be like, Brace? I will go to dinner with you. I'm not going to say that. Um, okay. But she's like, that's hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Yes, wait. that's hot. That. And it's like really, like, it's like the er vocal fry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, the podcasting. And you can hear it when you watch the, I mean, when you watch the movie, she... There's like moments where her voice is completely different, and other like her sister comments on it, and her mother comments yeah. on it. And I mean, her she friend. comments on it during yeah, like yeah, the yeah. scene She'll, where and, she's like doing the mic check. Yeah, and we we were talking about it earlier, and I was saying what's really interesting is there will be points where it feels like she's about to, or she's like kind of in the middle of revealing something personal about herself, and then suddenly that that kind of you know high-pitched gravelly voice comes in and you know now she's back into like character mode or what she calls a mask yeah throughout the film and so okay so whatever the we're not here to like we're not doing film criticism or whatever the 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 big reveal and where this kind of this all goes is that uh you know paris opens up that and she says it's something that she's never talked about but that she uh, that's something, this is what she says, something happened in my childhood that I've never talked about with anyone. I still have nightmares about it. I wish I could bring a camera into my dreams and show you what it's like. It's terrifying. And I relive that every night. I experienced it. And to this day, I'm still traumatized. And I think the only way to have these nightmares stop is to do something about it. And so that's kind of the crux of the film. And she details that when after she her family moved to New York when I think she was about 14, 15, mm-hmm. um, and that's when she and her sister were kind of socialites, uh, you know, splashed all over the tabloids, you know, and she was out partying and being crazy, that after a couple years of being out all night and, and you know, partying and drinking and, you know, whatever else, um, her parents sent her to a series of um, basically what's called like rehabilitate, not rehabilitation, educational centers for troubled kids. And she mm-hmm. details the kind of different schools that she was sent to um, and the amount of like physical and emotional abuse that she endured. Um, and the, in particular, she talks about a school called Provo Canyon school in Utah. Um, yeah. But she was sent to, a series of other schools that she names, including one named Sidu, which I think we're going to talk about specifically in a little bit. But it's pretty, um, 
heartbreaking to watch, you know, toward the end of the film, she has a bit of a reunion with some of her, like a former roommate and some former friends who were Mm -hmm. at Provo Canyon School with her while she was there. And it's pretty intense as they're detailing um, the various forms of abuse that they endured, including what they call torture. And I think that's correct. Um, You know, Paris says she was thrown in solitary confinement. They were force fed. They were fed drugs to Mm -hmm. sedate them. Um, One woman uh, alleges that she witnessed sexual abuse. It's unclear if that was like uh, herself or if she witnessed it to others, but it's a pretty um, harrowing story. And it sort of makes, um, you know, I think we'll get into this later, but it makes the, the um, creation of Paris, the character Paris Hilton, that much more fascinating as a kind of uh, PTSD response to what was, um, you know, months of child abuse. Yeah, I, I, I mean, especially so. So I've known the name Provo Canyon for like a long time. Uh, Provo was very famous when I was a kid. I've known people who've gone to Provo Canyon, and uh, and I was sort of surprised that Paris Hilton went there just because her family's so rich, and 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 so I was like, there's got to be. I mean, Provo Canyon is not cheap by any means, but like. It's, it's, I thought they would have sent her to like, there's like another tier or like fancier places to send her to. But like everything that they, 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 they mentioned there is, it was Provo Canyon's reputation, uh, basically among the, uh, let's say the, the troubled teen scene around the country. Mm. Um, and you know, obviously like, I mean, I've never really had an opinion on Paris Hilton. She's just like, it's like having an opinion on Jake Paul or something. I don't fucking care. It's got nothing to do with me. She's a rich person. What, like, you know, there's a million of them. But, like, I think for me, probably more specifically, or more, more, more than maybe other people who watched it, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty impossible not to have empathy for her w- with watching it, with, with this yeah. kind of stuff. Because she describes, and, and like, the, you know, if, if that's not enough for you, the regular people that she went there also describe, you know, the, the, the abuse and the, the sort of trauma-inducing... Um, just struggles that they they had at these schools um but but connecting that with with sort of the beginning or or like more like the first you know half three quarters of the documentary with this like paris character because because it would be really easy to make it a, a, a documentary about basically any celebrity like this and be like well look you know they're wearing a mm. mask it's you know it's it's they're they're faking it um Right, right. It's like, this is the real me. The I mean, they do, you know, it's like, exactly. there's a kind of, you know, Taylor Swift had one and Lady Gaga had one. There's kind of like a series of these um, celeb docs where they try to like reveal the true self to like, yeah. you know, shade I, their persona or whatever. But this is a bit different. I, I think the thing that was so fascinating about this with me is that even when she was trying, and you could tell, like, she was trying to reveal that true self, like, when she talks to her mother and stuff like that. Mm, which she is a still very wasn't awkward scene. Totally awkward. And she still wasn't able to do it. She lapses yeah. into the voice. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she becomes this character of Paris again. And I think that, like, that's different from other uh, sort of other outings in this field by other celebrities mm. because for a lot of people, they kind of can get through that, or at least they can fake it to seem like, like, like they can. And, and with her, she couldn't. And I know that that is almost probably 
well, I mean, I'm sure it's because of, you know, years and years and years of, of being in that character, but also like Provo school. Yeah. And these schools in general, because they make you crazy. I mean, I don't even know how else to describe it. They make you crazy. Yeah. You mentioned what you, what you called the troubled teen industry. And that's kind of like what we should kind of use that term. Can we, let's walk through a little bit about what we're talking about here, because it's much bigger than just one school named Provo Canyon, right? Like, it yeah. is really an industry, um, and it is... Multi-billion-dollar I mean, industry. Yeah, the best way to describe it is, like, a vast and highly, highly profitable network of programs, facilities, counselors, and kind of reinforcing, uh, like, reinforcement surrounding that in terms mm-hmm. of recruiters and loan sharks and bail bondsmen and all these sorts of yep. different... POs. Kind of... Yeah, there's all these different islands in this archipelago of the troubled teen industry. But they advertise treating, rehabilitating, reforming what we call troubled youth. Um, And they hinge on, you know, sometimes it's like rehab programs, but really it's kind of um, behavioral educational programs. Um, I remember they would call them behavioral modification facilities, mm -hmm. uh, therapeutic boarding schools, which is always such a banal name for what actually occurs at them. Uh, some like Provo are called just straight up called lockdowns. I mean, they don't call themselves that, but that's how they were kind of colloquially referred to. Um, some are more like rehab. Some they just call boarding schools, but they have very little, aside from the fact that you're a teenager away from your family, they have very little, in, and you might get raped, they have very little in common with with other kinds of, of boarding schools. Um, and, and what Liz is saying actually here is totally correct. I mean, this is not just like, a series of boarding schools or whatever, you know, dotted across America. Some of them are connected, whatever. Some aren't. This is an entire industry that is like self-contained. Like yeah. you, you can get set up from 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 cradle to grave with them. Like you know, if your if your kid is, you know, if you, you want to send your kid away, you can go to a you can go to a consultant who will tell you what school to send them to. That consultant is receiving kickbacks from the school. Uh, they will uh, tell you what transportation agency to use to take your kid there. That transportation agency is getting kickbacks from the school, and they are themselves are doing kickbacks to the consultant. Uh, and they will take you to a wilderness program to sort of detox you from from being a human being. That is getting kickbacks from all, all the all aforementioned. And then finally, at one of these schools, which is kicking back to everyone else, and then there's loan officers who the consultants will hook you up with because you know your kid's gonna die. You want to save your kid, right? And, and sort of use this blackmail on you to get you hooked into this. Yeah, I and, mean, these schools, we should say, by the way, these schools cost some upwards of, what, three dollars $5,000 a week, some of them. So they are by yeah, no means cheap. Really crazy ones. Yeah, I mean, there are some very affordable ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's an industry that, like, really, really pumps money out of people. And it, it's essentially a license to print money. And it's really one of the – it's astoundingly unregulated. Well, that's the thing is that there is actually no federal laws governing schools, meaning that the U.S. government can't forcibly close a privately owned boarding school or what we would call a treatment facility either, even if in the example of one called Old West Academy, where the founder and owner, Ben Train, was convicted of rape of a minor, even in Uh the case of... When an, even after people are convicted of rape, 
it cannot yeah. the US government cannot shut it down. There's there's I, no federal laws to do so. And in fact, there was an attempt by Congress to pass a law to to uh you know, for some congressional oversight or federal oversight into these kinds of schools, including banning physical abuse and the withholding of food, which I think to any reasonable person is like, holy shit, that's not banned already. No, it's not. Uh, And it was opposed after lawmakers were, you know, basically they got, they were like, oh, I don't know, maybe that'll, that'll infringe on the states regulating their own thing, a.k.a. all of the lobbying that was being done by these privately funded schools to the federal lawmakers, right? Yeah, and 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 it's funny actually. Little Adam Schiff has had a bill <laughs> to try to regulate. Little Adam Shit, excuse me, has had a bill. No, I'll call him Schiff for this because this is good. Uh, has had a bill to try to regulate these schools out, which which he didn't even write. It was inherited from his predecessor in his seat. So this bill has been floating around for a while, and it gets no traction ever. Like yeah, you know, he puts it forward every time, shot down every time. I'm sure he's not working over hard on it, but like it just goes to show that there is no impetus to actually to to Well, to the other thing too is, things. you know, a lot of these schools again, I mean, Paris school Provo, that's in Utah, and Utah in particular as a state has very 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 little government oversight for privately owned schools. And in fact, they're as, shocked by that. Well, you know, look, yeah, I'll just I mean, say that well, it's not just that, but also, I mean, some of these organizations have pumped in a lot of fucking money into people like Mitt Romney. And the mm-hmm. Romney family, who's been there for a very long time, is very influential in Utah. And they, in order to not receive a lot of, you know, government oversight on these basically what are work camps. Funny you mention old Mitt. Um Bain Capital actually has a, a a large financial stake in. I, I, you know, it's this. This isn't. This isn't an episode necessarily dedicated to this, but I have looked into this before. Is Bain Capital actually has a lot of, uh, let's say, financial entanglements with a lot of these schools too? They own a lot of. I mean, these are high. This is a highly profitable industry, and they own a lot of them. Um, yeah, I will say, like you mentioned, Utah. There, like a lot of the times, you'll see that these schools are located in places that are, let's say, less than populous. Right, mm. Montana is a big place. Uh, the the Oregon wilderness is a big place. Utah, uh, sometimes, but not as much in Colorado. But you don't see a lot in like Southern California, for instance, or you know New York State or anything like that. And that's partially because these schools have a a sort of bolstering effect on the economies of the places they go to. So you'll often find them in small towns in Idaho, in Montana, and stuff like that. Mm. And people are much less likely to ask questions if all of a sudden millions of dollars are being poured into a community of like previously 500 people, right? And people and are getting keep, jobs. Exactly. People are getting jobs. I mean, they, 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 that is a big thing, you know? Sandpoint, Idaho uh, has like, I don't know how many, but like 20 or 30 schools in the surrounding radius, both in Idaho and in Montana. And I mean, it's a huge part of the local economy. But you know, speaking of oversight in Montana, for instance, there is an oversight board that's supposed that's dedicated, apparently, well, in name to overseeing these schools. But it's staffed entirely by the owners of these schools. You know, it's uh, one article. It functions very, like, very, very similarly to the the private prison industry. I I, I mean, it's it's almost a one for one analogy. Yeah, absolutely. Like. It's it's and it's it it in I, you know it, it's good you say private prison there because 
I think the best way to, to view these things, you know, they call themselves boarding schools, but if you laid down the facts on a piece of paper and you put them up next to a regular boarding school's facts or you put them up next to a private prison's facts, they are one-to-one with these prisons. You know, you can't leave. You can't. You have all your rights stripped from you. You are able to be beaten, starved, placed in solitary confinement. You might be raped. You might be murdered. And everything you do and everyone you talk to and every action you take is monitored at all times. Yeah, and this is children, right? Exactly. And and, and children, too. Like, you know, we, we, we talk about troubled teens and, like, you know, okay, you know, some teens get addicted to drugs, of course, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, I knew a lot of kids growing up who were not addicted to drugs, who might just be maybe failing at school, who might be, you know, somewhat mm. antisocial, who might be in one case, one person I know, literally just autistic, like not even just like, yeah. not, not even a troublemaker, just actually just like an autistic person who had trouble making friends, but wasn't like a, a bad in any conceivable way uh and and their parents send them there to to in whatever way they think to fix them and the parents often go into debt and 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 when you go into debt i mean this is you see this case a lot with american workers you go into debt you get this weird psychological fealty to the to the Mm. to the regime that you sort of bought into um well it's not just that i mean i do want to like pause here for a second too because i mean you mentioned the like kind of you know, the range of of people that get sent to these places. And it's like, you know, the parents get get targeted by these schools just Mm -hmm. as much. I mean, not just as much, but they but they they really do get targeted by these schools, you know, counselors who are get kickbacks, like you mentioned, to uh, buy these private, you know, I don't even fucking know what to call them. I don't want to call them schools. They're not schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. By these facilities, like, misrepresent them. And then, you know, I've read, like, testimonies from parents who said they go to visit their kids at these facilities and purposefully, like, the director will find a kid there who, as we're going to get into, is, you know, I'd say very brainwashed and beaten down who happened to live like a couple towns away from the mother and is there to like guide her through. And she thinks everything is fine and normal and doesn't see anything. And they are, you know, largely for the most part kept out of, you know, the light. They have no idea what's going on with their kids. In a lot of cases, I mean, I mean, in the the documentary, it showed that Paris Hilton, like finally told her mother about the abuses going on there or whatever. It was a very, again, awkward scene or like her mother's finally informed of that. I think, and uh, and and sort of refused to believe it, like said they didn't know at first. And it's 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 such a strange sort of interaction um, because the way these schools function is is, and I'm not being hyperbolic with any of this, is from basically the moment you set foot into this world, the going the baseline is that is that your child is going to die. And I, I, I'm not saying that as in like exaggerating or anything. Yeah, they that's will like, tell that's you how they that. position it. They say, they if will, you don't exactly. come here and let us do this, your kid is going to die. Yeah. And when and, you, and when someone, when you're a parent and someone with who you believe has authority, however that's been vested, is telling you that and that those are the stakes, then you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. Exactly. And then, you know, you drop your kid off or you have your kid kidnapped and, you know, six months later you go to visit them and they are wearing, you know, a t-shirt tucked into khakis and smiling this sort of, um, uh, 
And their head shaved. Uneven smile. Yeah, they, they got some short hair, finally a good haircut, uh, not wearing any makeup. Um, and, and they're, t- and, you know, they're, they're, of course, they're being monitored, but they're telling you how happy they are and how, how hard it is, but, you know, how good it is for them. And maybe you have a phone call with them every two weeks and, you know, they, they, they talk maybe a little uncertainly about how well they're doing and how much they're learning and stuff like this. I mean, you want to believe that because the alternative is, is that this place is fucked, which means this is your last resort. And if this doesn't work, your child is going to die. And people, you know, I think there are ample, ample examples throughout history. Uh, people are, are willing to do a lot for their kids, even if it's the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I do, I feel like we haven't really, I don't know how much, I mean, I encourage people to watch the film and, and, and you know, I think we'll probably link to some articles that have firsthand testimony here, but I do want to like be very clear that like what we're like, these, these kids that go to these places are abused, like yeah. routinely. And it's, it's, um, a, you know, it's not just physical and you know, horrifically sexual abuse, but also like uh, a form of like mental abuse that I I don't really, I can't even fully understand where it like seeks to like break people down. Right. Oh, that's that, that's precisely it. Yeah. Um, and you know, there have been cases, multiple, multiple, like way too many to count cases of kids dying on properties with, basically the cause of death being not investigated or covered up by local authorities, sexual assaults all over the place. Um, You know, there were a couple cases of schools that were actually outside U.S. jurisdiction that were operating, which, by the Mm -hmm. way, is so fucking insane when you just say that out loud. Yeah. But um, there was one, Tranquility Bay, that was in Jamaica, which it was closed in 2009 after multiple claims of torture, sexual and physical abuse, unsanitary living conditions, and denial of health care. There was one, Casa by the Sea, which was in Mexico. Uh, yes. Wow, this is bringing back some memories, yeah. And the Academy at Dundee Ranch, which was in Costa Rica, and they were both mm-hmm. closed after random government inspections found ch- uh, abuse and torture, with a, which was leading to a student revolt. Yes, um, I mean, it's, it's Tranquility Bay in particular was famous uh when i was younger and i knew a girl who had gone to tranquility bay Mm. and she was so fucked up i mean you this woman might as well have survived the holocaust you know she was like you looked and she had a fucking 10 billion yard stare from it and if you look up pictures of tranquility bay and the and the and the and the people there they look like they are prisoners i mean it looks like what's that midnight express movie i mean they're wearing basically large prison prison garb you know oversized prison garb uh, and they're shuffling around in concrete buildings. Tranquility Bay, in particular, is part of this uh, program, or excuse me, this sort of consortium called WASP. So WASP, it's WASP. It's the Worldwide Associated <laughs> Association of Specialty Programs and Schools, of course, based in Utah. It was started, I believe, by a guy named Robert Litchfield, who had formerly owned a like mini mart in Southern California, had no training with psychology, with children, anything like that. I mean, he was literally just the guy who owned like the gas station, gas station beer store down the street. Um, it ballooned up into a multi, 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 multi million dollar industry, or excuse me, like basically self contained industry, like that that contained all the stuff we were talking about earlier. Escorts, uh, well, okay, that has some connotations now. Transporters, also connotations, but 
uh, sort of in a cool movie way. Uh, it, you know, they have they have loan officers, everything like that. Uh, let me just they, they they operated Tranquility Bay. Let me just really quickly go into uh, a few of the schools that they had. They had the Academy at Dundee Ranch, which Liz mentioned, raided by authorities on May twenty second, two thousand three. Academy at Ivy Ridge in New York closed in early two thousand nine due to accreditation issues. Bell Academy in California shut down in 2003 after issues with state social services. Bethel Academy shut down at, in 2005 after state officials investigate reports of abuse. And then just on and on and on and on. Investigated and shut down by the Mexican government after allegations of abuse. Raided by Mexican authorities in 2004. Uh, I mean, just every single place they've had, essentially, there's one that is still open, it looks like, Sunset Bay Academy in Mexico. Uh, but almost all of these have been raided by oftentimes by governments in other countries that they've gone to to escape notice over allegations of abuse. And, and, and I can tell you, abuse is rampant at these places. I mean, yeah. I can't even find out numbers, really like credible numbers, just because it's, it's I mean, it's in the thousands, at least thousands for, uh, uh, for, for sexual abuse. For deaths, I don't know. But, but I mean, I... I it's basically impossible to me that it's not in the thousands. And in some of these, like, kids have to literally be rescued by, like, the special forces of Costa Rica or whatever, the SWAT teams of Costa Rica. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and this is an industry that thrived and is still thriving. I, and they always, the thing about WASP especially is that these cl- schools will close down. They will get shut down. And then, because there's almost no regulation, they will reopen on the same grounds with mm. a different name, same owner. Yeah. Oftentimes the same kids. It's insane. And it's totally Wasp, insane. Wasp is, is, is one facet of it, but, but to really get to like, to see where the genesis of a lot of this came from, we actually have to go all the way back to Synanon. Oof. Now, I, that's sort of a like, I don't know, cue the music. <laughs> like, you know, you say Synanon and anyone who has any kind of vague understanding of California history might, like, their eyes might light up, like, what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Synanon is kind of like the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the big mother of all kind of, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of really dark shit stems out of Synanon. Let's just put I it mean, that way. In California's is- history specifically. <laughs> It is, it is, I remember, I remember when I was, when I was an adult and I was in a rehab facility, a counselor of mine had gone to Synanon and when I mentioned it, he like, I mean, he was, this was a normal facility, like this was not like a creepy facility or whatever. And the guy just sort of broke down. I mean, he'd been abducted by them as a teenager in Los Angeles after he'd gotten addicted to heroin. They literally took him in a van off the streets and abducted him. And he had heard stories about people being there shortly before him dying, um, because Synanon used to do stuff like, well, let's, let, before I get ahead of myself, Synanon was started by a guy named Chuck Diedrich Sr. in, mm. uh, in I think, the late 50s. Yeah. There's actually a movie that Hollywood made about Synanon that's sort of like a sexploitation like, movie, but that's pro-Synanon. That's really oh. wild. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Um, maybe I, if I can find a clip from it right after, we, uh, we, should, we should include it because it is, it is totally absurd. Um, certainly I'll, I'll link to the trailer. It, it, it started out. So this guy was a member of AA, uh, and AA is oftentimes described as a cult and, you know, in a way, okay, maybe that's a little true, but it's, if it's a cult, it's the most benign one there is. Cause you don't have to give anyone any money and you don't have to get a haircut. Uh, 
But he decided that, that, that AA was too pussy, uh, whereas some of us might think that sometimes you actually have to do a little too much of it sometimes. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it does ask too much of you, like going to – anyway, so uh, he, uh, he's, he's the guy – apparently – and I, I read this. It's also on their Wikipedia. I don't know if I believe this. He's apparently the guy who came up with the phrase, today is the first day of the rest of your life. I don't believe that. Yeah, it's 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 it seems like a load of bullshit. How did no one come up with that before like the sixties? Yeah, come on. But but this Let's place was there. like Yeah. Well it started out as like a rehab facility where like junkies would kind of give this tough love to other junkies and they would all live at the same place. You never listen, a little advice to listeners here. I haven't given this in a while. Do not move to a compound. Yeah. Never. Never Generally, move to a, a second location. Idea. Do not except if it's with me. Mm. Well, okay, we're keeping that in. Um, <laughs> I so like, just to get into Synanon, though, for a second, I like this, is that uh, Gizmodo put it as, it was a tyrant's ant farm masquerading as a grand experiment with the good life. <laughs> That's pretty good. Which I thought um, was pretty good. It's, it, is, it is one of the most um, deranged sort of pieces of California. All those, like, all the sort of, like, meme stuff you have in your head, about like California cults, you know, yeah. shaved heads, all that stuff. That all happened at Synanon. Yeah, it fact, basically went from like sort of the kind of treating, quote unquote, treating substance abuse, right? Mm-hmm. To then forcing people into abortions, divorces, head shavings, vasectomies, group sex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, partner swapping everyone's sleeping with the you know with charles etc chuck oh yeah they love people love fucking well actually i think they actually don't like it but founders of places like this love fucking everybody that comes to the door and and it caught on i mean one thing that was always sort of floated about in my in my uh conversation with people about synanon is that they would they would take junkies off the streets of la and they would inject them with potassium in uh, in the hopes of curing their heroin addiction, it did cure them. Not of that. Well, technically, all right. So if you die, you technically are no longer a heroin addict. And so I do sort of see the science with that. Okay. Not so sure about the long term stuff from it. No, the only no. thing that you can inject if you to cure heroin addiction is just more heroin, <laughs> um, it, or whatever. Vivitrol, I guess. I, I had Vivitrol before. Anyways, so it, it's. I mean, it became. More deranged and more and more and more deranged as time went on. Yeah, Synanon, I mean, it was a cult. It was just like a straight up fucking cult. And I mean, he had like, at one point, didn't he have like a militia or rumors that he had a militia going? Of course they had a militia. (laughs) I mean, it was like a crazy compound, crazy cult. Uh, And it spawned, it basically spawned. I mean, the reason why we have to talk about it is because it spawned out of it. All these other organizations. Yeah. So Synanon was was very influential on the Southern uh, California, I guess, scene for people. I mean, remember, like, Synanon started in the late 50s, but it really flowered in the 60s. And and out of it, a guy named Mel Wasserman Mm. uh, started a – his. he was like, you know what? This cult thing is great, but he had a bit of a schism. He was was higher up in the Synanon organization, which – a little other thing here, too. Synanon also got in a lot of trouble for putting poisonous snakes in journalist mailboxes, including one guy that my dad knew, which is, you know, I have some 
trouble reconciling that fact with some others that we'll talk about. Uh, and also, if you've seen the George Lucas movie THX 1138, uh, there are some scenes in, I believe, the BART tunnels, and there are a lot of extras with shaved heads. Those are all actual Synodon yeah. cult members. All actual uh, ones that were Synodon, cast. of course, later changed its name to the Church of Synodon. We'll, we should, we'll talk more about Synodon in another episode. This isn't really about them. This is just a background. Yeah, going. yeah, yeah. So these guys, um, these guys leave Synodon. Uh, it's, it's, it's this guy named Mel Wasserman and his, and his sort of followers and, and decide to sort of start their own organization that is pretty much a carbon copy of Synodon. And we see mm. that a lot in this industry is sort of these schisms and split. It's like with Trotskyist groups. It's like, <laughs> there's like committee for the fourth international. There's like the provisional committee for the fourth international. Right, right, there's right. the fourth international itself. There's a reconstituted fourth international. It's like, don't you guys all just like, I mean, is Tariq Ali, isn't he in like all of your groups? I don't really see what the difference here is. Um, and, and that was the case with Sidhu. But Sidhu does something that's, that I think was really smart, which was uh, start uh, figuring out how to make a lot more money. Yeah, so uh, listeners might remember this name, Sidhu, because I mentioned that that is one of the schools that Paris in the documentary says she was sent to, right? Yeah, and Sidhu, by the way, is named after uh, Chuck Diedrich. It's, 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 his initials are like C-E-D. Oh my God, I just got that. Yeah, and the U, I think, stands for like university. They later said, changed it and pretended to say it was just called Sidhu and have like there is it doesn't stand for anything mm. but but it was it was it was named after Chuck Diedrich yeah so CDU really bills itself as one of these educational uh behavioral modification facilities but directly comes out of and repeats the same tactics and and uh practices as Synanon did like you said Wasserman was a complete devotee of of Chuck's yeah and 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 as we see a lot in 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 these schools is that Wasserman Wasserman is not like a psychologist. Wasserman is not like a guy that that is a teacher or knows anything about kids. He owned a fucking furniture store. And he starts hosting <laughs> yeah. these CDU groups in his home and then he starts a school. Mm-hmm. And and this is there it becomes eventually a Byzantine network yeah. of a Byzantine, I don't know, Byzantine. whatever, Byzant- Byzantine. I'm thinking of Byzantium, which like Lemuria is where this podcast is recorded at. Um <laughs> It, that becomes like really complicated. Some had Sidu in the name, some sort of hide their affiliation with Sidu. Uh, but but it was it was it became probably the most influential school like this in in history. I mean, its methods, Sidu. It, like like I was joking about in the intro, like the Sex Pistols concert that all these people started bands from. Sidu is that Sex Pistols conference, yeah, or concert at Sex Pistols conference. Uh, every single like. A school like this, basically every place we've mentioned would not have been possible, constituted in the form that it was constituted, without CDU, without Wasserman. Which means that, by the way, none of these schools would uh, would exist in their form if they were not conditioned by the practices of the cult synodon. Yes, exactly. I mean, there is a, it's not even like a t- tangled web or anything. It is literally a direct line. Yeah, it's like, like a family tree. Think of it that way. It's a family tree. And at the top, you've got, you know... King Lear, who is fucking Synanon, right? And it just exactly. flows on down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they retain all basically all of the same practices. I mean, it is it is astounding that if you look at the documents between these schools, like from these schools that exist now and from Synanon or Sidu, they are the exact same practices with minimal modifications. I mean, 
it worked. And, but the thing is, like, what does it work to do? It doesn't work to make your kid good. It makes to work. It works to make your kid traumatized, brainwashed, and fucked up. Um, the 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 the. <laughs> Psychology Today at one point called Sidu similar to Zimbardo's prison experiment or Jim Jones' Guiana. I mean, these yeah. are cults. I think that you just brought up a point about brainwashing, and I think that's important because there is another great quote. Well, great being a you know being a little facetious there uh, from Diedrich uh, about from Synanon, where he says brainwashing is a very apt term. We get very dirty brains in here. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, that that's become less fashionable to speak like that. You know, in the 60s, it was like this sort of like, hey, I'm being up front with you. I'm rapping with you kind of stuff. They, of right. course, mask it behind more in vogue language now. But 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 the meaning is 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 precisely the, precisely the same. Yeah. And um, it seems like, I mean, I don't think it's difficult, perhaps, if some of our listeners have watched the Paris documentary and i you know i think everyone should i think you guys should watch it i think it's a good it's a good watch yeah i'd say so um and you know her invoking this like creation of the character paris directly after going through this experience at provo and this series of sidu schools and sidu like schools um that practice intense mental abuse to the point of what i think you can call brainwashing and breaking down the ego or whatever mm -hmm. ego death as people oh, yeah. call it like i don't think that that's a coincidence the creation no. of this character is directly coming out of that right not yeah i i would say it, it was like shocking how well i just like intuitively basically understood exactly everything what she that what she was talking about well not happening you, often yeah i mean we should i you know I don't know. I think we should talk about this because you actually have a bit more of a personal connection here. Yes. I, uh, I, I think I've hinted at it or maybe talked about it a little in shows before. Um, I, I don't exactly hide the fact, although I, I don't often like really advertise it that much. But, but I went to a CDU school. And in fact, I went to a school that was started by the first graduate of Rocky Mountain Academy, which was one of the first like major CDU schools. Uh, the headmaster who who also started the school uh, that I went to, his father was Dan Earl, who was the first headmaster of Rocky Mountain Academy, and basically like the Goebbels to to Wasserman's Hitler, um, and and I mean I mean in 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 every single way except for financially, this was a CDU school, the same exact program, the same exact sort of rules, the same exact punishments, everything else came straight from CDU. So I think my experience is pretty typical for a lot of people. So, you know, without, without getting too bogged down in details, I can start at the beginning. When I was 13 or 12, I, was, I got in some, some minor trouble with some kids. Uh, I, I've talked about this on the show before. Someone accidentally burned down a hill with some fireworks. I got busted for it uh, and blamed for it. And, uh, and they found graffiti that I'd, I'd written brace rules in crayon <laughs> in an abandoned Sloat's fucking hardware in crayons that I found there. I was not that oh much of a baby. God. I didn't have the crayons on me. Spray paint, you little boy. Crayons. I, I found them in there, man. We were smoking salvia out of apples oh from Gordon. God. That is so uh, gentle. 
I, they brought me into the they brought me into the interrogation room. Check this out. They brought me into the interrogation room and they laid out like whatever twelve by seventeen like black and white fo- glossy photographs of brace rules written in crayon. <laughs> I wish you had one of those. Me too. And I was just like, I don't know. They were like, Is this you? I'm like, Uh, yeah. Like, am I in trouble for that? I I, it, I couldn't comprehend that I was in trouble for writing on the inside of an abandoned building with something that could be wiped off with spit. Yeah. But I was, and I I got put on pretty uh. You know, for for the crime, not not a great probationary contract. Mm. Um, and I got I got you know kicked out of a high school, and I wasn't doing super great in the other in the next high school I was going to. And about four months into that, uh, behind the scenes, I guess my parents were really concerned because they had read something online about these you know schools that could help their kids. I wasn't mm. I I never had great grades. I've I guess I have. Uh, some kind of bad learning disorders or whatever. So I, I, I was never like doing, I never did well in any sort of school. Um, and, uh, and one night in the middle of the night, <laughs> two guys, this is, this was crazy. Cause remember this part of the Paris Hilton documentary? She's yeah. Talking Paris. About yeah. She says this and I was like watching it and thinking about you and I'm just, it, it's like a mirror image. Mm-hmm. Um, one night I, you know, I was just, and remind, mind you, I think I had maybe just turned 14 or maybe I was still 13. I can't remember. Um, but two big ass fucking guys bust into my room at my parents' house uh, and turn on the light at maybe, I think, three in the morning. And they say, get out of bed. You're coming the fuck with us. Like, get up. And I think, I mean, this this is not an uncommon story. This happens to a lot of people. These guys are called escorts. That's what we used to call them back then. I mean, I think for this, to, I, we'll call them transporters, whatever. Um, and I was terrified. I mean, that was, it was two big guys coming to my room to take me away. I mean, that's like a fucking nightmare. Right. Um, and, and I get up and I'm like, well, you know, my dad's there and he's crying and I'm like, well, can I take anything with me? Like what also, what is going on? Uh, they, they said, no, I grabbed my disc man secretly and put it, I had a disc man, like a little CD book. Um, I think I had an adolescent CD and they, uh, they they put me on a plane with them. My dad is like hysterical, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm the one getting fucking kidnapped here. I realize I'm not being kidnapped, but 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 this is one thing that's really common is they didn't tell me where I was going. Yeah, uh, and they didn't tell me what's going on. I've 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 uh, some listeners wrote in. I asked on Twitter if anyone had a similar experience. Uh, some listeners wrote in, and you know, I heard stories about everyone for people being you know restrained the entire way, uh, handcuffed. Um, when I was threatened with handcuffs later in this journey, uh, people had their, 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 you know, these are children, mind you, who haven't like committed a crime or anything. They have their hands restrained by, you know, sometimes like computer wire and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you don't have to have a license to become an, like an escort or a transporter. These aren't like off-duty cops or whatever. These are just like goons. And uh, they put me on a plane to Portland with them. Uh, we get there in the middle of this insane snowstorm. Maybe it's December. And uh, they put me on a, another plane, which they don't join me to, to Bend, Oregon. They, they they just put me on there. The plane gets turned around on the runway. And they, by the way, I still have no idea where I'm going. Uh, they, they refuse to speak to me. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm off. And I'm 13 years old. I'm wearing a T-shirt. It's fucking, you know, December 20th in Portland. And I call my dad. And I, I'm like, what the, what the hell is going on? You know, I, 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 you know I'm freaking out. It's 5 a.m. And uh, he's like, oh, wait there. You know, he like kind of puts me off. And then like 20 minutes later, a mustachioed man who kind of looks like, in my head, he kind of looks like uh, Kenny Powers. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, although I don't know if that's true. And and this this sort of bimbo that he's with, you know, they're they're a, a pair of bimbos come up and they're like, "Oh, your brace, you're coming with us." And uh, and because no planes could fly, they drove me for about 15 hours. We stopped at a motel. Uh, the guy shows he has a gun and uh, he has handcuffs and he's like. He keeps referring to the lady that's with him as his therapist. They have sex next to me in the, in the motel. And then they take me the next day. Yeah, they're like screaming at me the whole fucking time. Send me the next day to uh, a wilderness. And so we didn't really talk about wildernesses. Do you, I mean, I'm sure you guys knew kids who got sent away to that kind of shit, right? Like outward bound. No? Oh, well. Wildernesses are like sort of like the detox to the therapeutic boarding school's rehab. They send you to a, uh, like the wilderness for like one to three months. You are stripped of whatever, everything you're meant to survive. It's like semi-therapeutic, but really it's just like detoxing you from society. Right. Some are better than others. Uh, Outward Bound is not a that's wilderness the one I've per heard. Se. Yeah, that's the one I've heard of, but it's not That's really... more like a camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the wildernesses, they all, this is really funny though. So maybe in the new, you know, it's sort of, they may, they may be not be, they, 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 I don't know how to explain this, but you know, like Native Americans, like indigenous people of America. Sure. You know how like certain white people, when they encounter like Native Americans, like, or like they encounter the idea of Native Americans, it drives them insane and they become like weird dolezal Native Americans and like pretend to be really spiritual. But like, it's like, have you encountered, this is like a more Southwestern thing. Okay. But like white people who are like, I like, I do the native practices and like, you know, yeah. like, I love sage and all this sure, stuff. Sure, sure, sure. My place was exactly like, this was like a bunch of people doing like Native American cosplay, but uh, also hitting us. Uh, they would restrain the shit out of us. It was in the middle of the Dalles in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So let's pause for a second. So you show up, you've just been driven to this place in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, 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 and then strip search, and I have to squat and cough. Okay, so you're strip searched. Then, I mean, we don't need to go like piece by piece, but of suffice course, yeah, to yeah. say that like you also endured something quite similar to what Paris yeah. did. Yeah, 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 and 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 they blind felt folded me and drove me several hours into the desert and dropped me off. Sagewalk actually got shut down later. They they made a sort of hagiographic, I think that's the word to use, TV show about it called Brat Camp, which, in fact, we could cue the war crime song named Brat Camp right here, which <laughs> I assume I own the rights to. Brat Camp! One, two, three, four! <laughs> Um, they made this TV show that was literally just like as far from reality as like Paris Hilton's TV show was, was to reality about it. It was, it was an advertisement for it. Um, but it got shut down, I think, uh, like five or six years later because they killed two kids. Um, one by choking him to death with restraint, uh, and the other by withholding insulin as a form of punishment. Um, yeah, they said he just collapsed and died, but that's not what actually happened. Wait, when you say restraints, like, what do you mean? 
So this is something that I've known about for a while because I'd known people who got sent to different places when I was younger and, you know, I was a bad kid. So I've been restrained a couple of times in my life. I was actually that bad of a kid, but, um, restraints are like when you are acting out and not like I should stress, it does not have to be you physically acting out. You could be verbally defiant or silent. And, and what they do is, is, you know, you're a child and then a large person or up to, I think Paris Hilton describes six people doing it to her in the documentary, which is totally realistic. Um, they bear hug you and like tackle you to the ground. And sometimes they'll put a, put an arm around your neck. I mean, it is, it makes like the worst of police restraint practices look restrained. Um, and you know, I, 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 you know, I know, I know instances, many, many instances of like them restraining a kid till they, 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 they piss or shit themselves. Kids passing out. Of course, kids dying a lot. Um, because these adults like aren't trained in this. These aren't like counselors in like the form. Like I'm a trained counselor for drug and alcohol rehabilitation. These people are not. These are just right. like high school kids or college students. Or right, right, right. Many of whom have graduated from the very facilities that they work at. No. Exactly. That's a huge that's a huge thing in this. And so after wilderness, and this is oftentimes like a lot more dramatic majority of the time, kids get sent to wilderness and then they get sent to the school. And I thought it was going home up until like the last week. I was like, all right, well, like two months. They they sent me out in the in the wilderness, like naked and afraid style by myself in the middle of the desert in winter with like a flint. Uh, it was a bow drill and a tarp and a book on self-help. And I just ended up masturbating like 40 times a day and being scared of wolves because there was all these marks. Okay, let's uh, keep it moving. Anyway, so uh, I had like two months. Anyways, a uh, grown boy, they they sent me to, they were like, at the end, they were like, surprise, motherfucker, like you're going away. And the, sort of the dot, dot, dot there is like, till you're 18. Um, mm. And I got sent to, uh, I transported again to Monarch School in Montana, which, which if you look up Monarch now, it really changed since I went there. Uh, it became, it tried to position itself more as like a regular boarding school. Uh, they dropped almost all of the stuff that, that was happening when I was there. And really like, it was no longer, it, it, it became something else. It eventually got shut down, uh, because the founder, Patrick McKenna, who, uh, well, I'm not going to say what I want to do. It's like, I, I would, I would, if there's no other person in the world, I would rather be alone in a room with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but so I get there and, you know, same shit, strip search, squat and cough. And baby, let me tell you, the next year was the weirdest shit that's ever happened in my entire life. Well, let's get into, do you want to get into it? Abs- yeah. Yeah. Um, because I know that you and I mean, you know, we've talked a little bit about it and the, kind of strange um i don't know the the strange approach to therapy that they had i guess is a good way to frame it and it was Mm -hmm. kind of like group therapy but it was a little more intense than that and a little (laughs) little, bit stranger to say the least so synodon had a practice with i think they call them rap sessions which is like Mm, very time and place for that they were just called group by the time i got there but uh, but the way that Synodon did it is that they sort of sat in a half circle, a semicircle of chairs. Motherfucker, you are in the middle. You know, one person's in the middle. And then everybody just insults you as much as possible. <laughs> and like just yells at you and screams at you. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the basis for almost, that is like the ritual that undergirds basically everything that, that these schools are about. 
which is, you know, they really want to break down. I mean, make no make no mistake. The point of these schools is to 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 break down everything about you and then build up a new person. Right. Um, you know, which would be one thing, but but the real funny thing about it is is that is they're not good at doing it. It doesn't work. Like this, this is, there's absolutely no indication. And certainly from my anecdotal knowledge, this is only basically had negative effects on people. Well, there's even, yeah. I mean, I would imagine because what they endure is so intense. I mean, there's, you know, various testimonies out there from people who've been through these programs where it's, I mean, you know, being in lit rooms for 48 Mm. hours, not being able to sleep. Yep. Not being able to, uh, you know, solitary confinement, of course, oh, classic, yeah. classic move. Um, you know, even Paris details her solitary confinement in the film. Um, but the the like mental breakdown stuff is really, really fascinating to me and, and particularly oh, totally horrifying. Wild. So like what we did was we had group twice or three times a week. I can't really remember. I, I, it's funny. I've actually like, I, I had to take a long walk uh, earlier today to kind of try to remember this stuff and, and yesterday uh, because I, I, I've noticed I blocked a lot of it out of my mind. Yeah. That's something that comes up a lot in the film as well. Yeah. And so like, I've been reaching out to other people I went there with and kind of like piecing together stuff, but, but they had group, which was, this was different than the attack therapy, but it was based on it. I mean, they couldn't really get, I mean, it, mind you, all of these practices were meant for like drug addicted adults. I had smoked weed thrice and like drank beer and I believe had grazed one titty with one hand. Uh, I was like, look, to give you an indication of the kind of guy I was before I got sent, I had kissed a girl this, who I was like in love with and big crush. I'd first kissed and I uh, didn't know how, what making out was. And so, so I just like kept pecking her on the mouth. And so like, I was not like, you know, I, I became a real son of a bitch after, but like before I got sent to this place, I was, you know, pretty, pretty wet behind the ears. Um, but what you had to do in these groups is, is, is you sat in a big circle of like, there was, there, I think there was two or three different ones and there was this really heavy air. And what they expected you to do was to look at the ground and yell, I'm worthless. I'm dog shit. Like you couldn't swear or else if you swore outside a group, you had to carry rocks in your pockets. Um, and sometimes like with you, like in your hands, mm. if you swore a lot, you had to carry a big rock. Uh, and like you had to scream, I'm worthless. I'm bullshit. Like I'm a faggot. Uh, whatever. Like you had to, like, they had gay people saying that shit. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like they had like, it was, it was all, it was supposed to be all the negative stuff you told yourself. But you didn't get hear any positive stuff. Like it was just you hating yourself. And like even if you didn't hate, I didn't hate myself. That's my one thing. That's why everybody hates me is because I don't hate myself. And I you had you had to and you had to weep and you had to scream and you had to attack other people. It was a big part of it was confrontation. And the most unnerving thing in the world in my entire life and a life filled with unnerving things was my first week there and walking around campus hoping to talk to other people and be like, hey, what the fuck is going on here? And the blank stares, you know, I mean, talk about fluoride stares. And, you know, a lot of these people in, in, internally were not like this, but like externally, I mean, it was like, I felt like everybody there was brainwashed except for me. I know now that that's not true and that, you know, people were traumatized and I was traumatized. I tried to run away the first week I was there. Uh, I just, I jumped over a rail uh, during class. We had class for about two hours a day, which is like the most bullshit fake high school education ever. Um, and they caught me in the woods. Uh, and then, uh, and then I just, I, 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 the, the thing that like Paris is really remind, experience really reminded me of is that like 
I also had to create sort of a dual brace system in my head. Yeah. I had to have the external brace because I knew that, that, that there was no hope of me getting back to San Francisco from Heron, Montana. Um, you know, as such, I was, I was 14. I had no money and I, I didn't really know, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a long way from Heron. Um, but I knew there was a home visit after a year. And if I could just hang on until that home visit, I could escape. But I also saw that the, the techniques that they used worked. I mean, it, it, they don't work in the long run or even the medium or short term run, but they work while you're there. And, and there's, this, there's this terrible pressure from above to conform to these agreements. And by the way, they, they didn't have rules. They had agreements. And, and the really insidious thing is there was no written list. Right. So anything you did could be out of agreement. Mm. Um, and you had this social pressure from below. You had this pressure to rat. And, and, and I mean, there were so many different things. You were never allowed to, you had to be in groups of three at all times, 100% of the time, never two guys and one girl, always two girls and one guy or three guys, whatever. Um, you know, if there was a room with six guys in it, a woman couldn't, a girl couldn't enter, even if the door was open. It was, it was crazy. You couldn't, you couldn't shave your pubes for women. I did not know that women were told not to masturbate. Um, Every little facet of your life, hangers had to be one one finger width apart. If they were two finger widths apart, you had to skip breakfast and go, you know, do this chores and stuff. Uh, and and I was like, okay, well, there were bad kids there, right? Like they were kid, not bad kids in the real sense, but like there were kids who like broke the rules a lot and were rebels. And the staff and everyone would tell them, you're going to Provo. And sometimes they would get sent to Provo. Mm. Sometimes they would get sent to like Tranquility. No, that's Paris's like that. school. Exactly. And so I was like, well, I am a bad kid i guess in the sense that i don't want to be here but if i act bad outwardly though well i mean these guys always get caught they're always getting in trouble the eyes always on them and so i was like i got to keep my head down but internally i have to have the most like insane hate that a person can have for this place and everybody here not every the, the students but the staff and so while outside, it was, it was really, I mean, I was thinking about this earlier, it was really intense. Uh, outside, I was like, you know, a fairly middling, you know, person there. I kept my head down. I got in trouble, actually, semi-often, but it was impossible not to get in trouble. Um, but, but inside, I was like, I mean, it, it, it was a hate that I've never come close to matching since. It was like a, like, you know, kill the village, salt the earth kind of hate about this. Um, and so I had that, like... I wasn't able, I mean, those were my real feelings, I guess. And so I had to really like put those down inside. And then that gave me all this big vacuum in me to sort of operate this like space to operate mm. and, and to lie to people. And, and I didn't lie in really outrageous Like a ways, Russian doll of braces. Exactly. And, and I could tell. And so I, that's why the Paris thing seems so familiar to me. It was like, well, I can tell these like, I can make this persona and these people have to act with this persona, but like the actual braces in here and like he is a psycho fucking person now but once i escape i can figure it all out um they had these things there called insights which you kind of alluded to this earlier i know we've talked about this uh one-on-one but uh they i i don't have a great deal of memory of these because they didn't really let you eat you didn't sleep and they would lock you in like an all-white room with no windows just mirrors on the wall and the one thing I really remember is they would play watching the days go by, let the water hold me down once in a lifetime. <laughs> I don't know if that's trademarked. Um, and uh, they made us pretend to be babies. And then they screamed insults at us while we were crawling around the ground. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that was supposed to cure depression. I'm not really sure. But they would do other stuff like, 
uh, like a friend of mine I was talking to earlier today, which is like, oh yeah, in the final one, they made us vote to kill people in there. And like, they had to, if you like voted to like kill, it was like a lifeboat exercise. If you were the person that got voted to kill, you had to make a case for why you shouldn't die in that one minute. And they would make you chant like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. That all the time. Uh, just, I mean, I, I, you know, there's a lot to get into, so I'm, I'm not going to go too crazy yeah. on this, but like, um, okay. I mean, you mentioned trying to escape the first time Paris tried to escape a couple times, which she yep. details in the film, which I, I mean, I have to say, like, I was watching that and I was like, damn, go girl. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I always had a ton of respect for people who tried to escape. Yeah. Um, I, at my place, there actually had been no successful escapes, um, Provo's a lot closer to a larger town than we were. We were very isolated in like the wilderness. Um, but but after about a year, and I mean, and so there's so much psycho shit that happened that I can't even explain. I mean, I had to, I at one point got caught, uh, I had written an erotic story about a fellow classmate because I was 13 and horny and like there was no National Geographics there. And they made me like detail it in front of like 50 people and I wasn't allowed to talk to women for a month or sit oh within like five feet of them. Yes, very great for a developing psyche. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so after a year, I had a home visit. And and I at this point, I was like, you know, all my phone calls were monitored. There was always someone with a finger on the button to hang up. All your letters in and out were read. They would always eat the food if you got sent any. Um, and uh, and after a year, I, uh, I made it out uh, back home and I was supposed to throw away like all of my punk stuff, which amounted to like, two misfit CDs and dead Kennedy shirt and like a shitty women's leather jacket that I had found at a thrift store in Berkeley. And, uh, instead I logged on to AIM and made a new, <laughs> made a new screen name and hit up my friend Max, uh, who I'll be forever grateful for. And he and some of my crumb bum friends drove out and picked me up and I spent the next four months, uh, as a runaway. And I, I had a, some bad experiences. Uh, I spent some time on the streets of LA, tried the guy, tried to do some nasty shit to me in Hollywood. Uh, I, and, but, and I lost my virginity, which was ball, not the same thing as the Hollywood thing. Um, but, uh, but it, it, that like, and, and I didn't have to go back. I eventually got caught making out with this, this, the shaved headed chick under the bridge at, at Dolores park. Um, and, and that was like, it's, it's crazy. I was the first successful escapee. And it was only after a year and you're supposed to be there for almost two years. And it's crazy because like I can trace basically the rest of my like fucked up, awful uh, existence in the years after that. I mean, I liked it, but it was not healthy to to what happened to me at CD or excuse me at, at, at Monarch at the, one of these CD schools. And, you know, I'm not alone. I was talking to, to a friend of mine who really like who, who went there and who really like studies this stuff. And she sent me a list of people from our school who died. And mm. I mean, it is a heavy casualty list of people who've killed themselves, people who've overdosed, people who, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's literally like many, many people. I mean, there's literally, there's more than I can, we can, you can even count. Um, and in fact, I, 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 and I went, I went to the funeral of one of these guys right when I got sober in 2014. Uh, I actually saw him in the rooms and, and he OD'd pretty much right after that. He was really fucked up and depressed from it. So the fucked up thing about this is I actually ran into the headmaster, Tim Earl, at, at a hot springs a few years ago where I'd went for my birthday. And I had not been out of town in a long time. And, uh, and he was standing there in a fucking Rob Zombie cowboy hat, Ugg, like knee-high Ugg boots, 
and a uh, robe that contained his penis underneath it. And he like approached me and started talking to me. And I had probably the most terrified like reflex of my life. I think at this point in my life, I probably would have done something, but I was just shocked. And like, I I basically didn't leave my room for the next day. I mean, only there for a couple of days, but, uh, but like I, it's, it is my life's goal to ruin these people's lives (laughs) and to ruin their families' lives. Um, and, and I think I share that goal with a lot of people who went there with me, man. I mean, it's, it's fucked up, but like that it's just, it's just crazy because there's so many people, I guarantee everybody listening to this who lives in America knows one person who got sent to one of these places. It's so widespread and it's, it's legalized and like incentivized abuse. Um, we got, we, yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. Well, now one of those people you share that goal with is Paris Hilton, which I know who knew? Paris, if you. If you're listening to this, which I know you, you listen to free episodes. I don't know if this is one of those, but um, let's connect. And not like we used to. Like let's connect in like a real heart to heart way, baby. Get get out your sidekicks. Exactly. Yeah, you're my sidekick. Hey, I'm just joking. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh shut shut all these fucking places down and put all the people who own them in fucking prison or worse. Now I've heard there was a secret. David played and it pleased the Lord But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this The fourth, the fifth, the minor fall The major lift, the baffled Well, I got MK Ultra. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's kind of the implication. We, you know, we we t- said we would do another episode on Synanon, and we have to because we're gonna have to. You know, we've been talking a long time about doing a series on MK Ultra. It's impossible to do an, a single episode on it, and I, I don't even know if it's a series or if we fit it into something else. Talking about California in the '60s, but MK Ultra and Synanon, uh, you know. They're, they're a not a crossover even, they're, event. Exactly. Not strange bedfellows, but just regular bedfellows that, in fact, uh, fuck a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking about that when I was watching the Paris thing because I was like, oh my God, Paris Hilton got MKUltra into creating Instagram influencers and like oh, that entire yeah. new economy of like female needs on Instagram. Yeah. And she's, yeah. She, that's, that was a psyop. She is the OG psyop. I'm well. I, mine's a little more traditional. I first of all put subliminal messages to beautiful women in these, mm. which is when I say my name. Sure. Uh, and the second, also, if is you play that it backwards, it's you'll e-card. be able to hear. You'll be able to hear if you play the entire uh, podcast backwards. There's mm-hmm. a secret message that that racist uh, handlers have put through. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then I also like I you know I've said this a million times like I snitch. You know I stay <laughs> snitching. I snitch on you guys. I, I no, just make shit don't. up sometimes. No, you well, don't. Well, I don't. I mean, okay. Yeah, I, I don't. But, like, I do. 
<laughs> like a guy really oh man oh i got i got a couple this new guys new to show you i, I got i came up with a couple guys uh in the past week I that think i really I saw one on twitter that i was laughing at guy that guy that thinks anal means gay yeah really like that guy <laughs> oh man my boss is you know it's really anal i was like what yes um <laughs> I came up with a couple other ones that, that too hot for TV, but uh, I'll, yeah, I'll a little too hot after. for TV. What a well, that was a you know that's a way to do a hundred episodes. Check this out, guy that starts singing Hallelujah when he's like making out with a chick and like have <laughs> sex with her. It's like he's like kissing her. He's like Hallelujah. Or it's like you know you're like kissing and then he's like yeah. He's just like he's like. Like in between kissing, it's just like and you that, don't that guy. really care for music, do you? And just like start even... screaming it when he's going. The, the, the fourth, the fifth, the minor falls, and the major fifth. Uh, do you know that he actually flew to Israel to fly uh, to perform for the troops in the 1973 Yom Kippur War? So canceled. canceled. Boom. Leonard, suck my dick, man. Uh, anyways, that's uh, still good. <laughs> let's uh let's wrap this bitch up let's get to 101 yeah that sounds better than 100 101 mm-hmm. i always like Just an like, odd number uh-huh like the sh- it was a shitty british band in the 70s the 101ers anyway i don't know why i'm saying that i'm mentally ill uh let's 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 close this bitch out let's shut the garage door all right and and start the car <laughs> <laughs> and, this is and the final true and episode this is the final true and we are recording this from little steven's underground garage <laughs> we are here with the boss he is closing the garage door we are playing the yard birds and we are dying no none of that's happening but i'm liz my name is brace we are joined by producer young chomsky and hopefully god willing We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
Let's go shoot.